All right. Um, I don't see. Okay, good. So we can hear you. Okay, thank you. Okay, you can hear me all the way from Joss. Thank you. Mixella, let me know if you can hear me as well. All right. Um, I'm just going to proceed and wait for comments. Okay, time is fast spent already. So we have been on an interesting series this year, from beginning of this year. Okay, thank you, Mixella. You can hear me loud and clear. Awesome. So we've been on, on an interesting um series right and the title of the series has been the armor of god and um you might have already guessed our our anchor text is from ephesians chapter six okay so and we have looked in this series we've looked at the breastplate of righteousness the belt of truth um the the our feet being fitted with a sandal with the preparation rather of the good news of peace and then we have also looked at um what is it again? I think we, we should have looked at four by now, if my memory serves me right. But anyways, we've been going on this journey progressively. And I was telling, I think I was mentioning, was it two weeks ago or so, or maybe to another group of people, that this is the longest series we have probably done. And um, I intentionally didn't rush any of these or skip it at all, because I believe these things are instrumental to our, <clears throat> to our work with God and um, it's super important we basically understand how this works. And I also know that many times we read scriptures and we just make assumptions of what it means. But when we take a further look at it, then we probably find out it meant something different or probably even meant something deeper than our initial estimation of that scripture. So we're taking this in-depth verse-by-verse study of this scripture to give every one of us an understanding of... Um, understanding of the armor of God and how it works, all right? So today we are continuing what we have, uh, what, what, what we started previously. Um, last week was last week was um, prayer meeting, so we didn't have typical Bible study as, we, as we're having now. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 6, let me start reading from verse 11, all right? Just to give context to the scripture, to the particular verse, we're emphasizing today. So Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11, um, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Um, let me just say again that if you missed any of the previous teachings or you just love to, you know, um, listen to it again, we have that available on our podcast and um, we'll, that will be shared to us, you know, before the end of today's teaching. Or, or if you're in the group, you, you still get it. All right, verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 13 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. And we emphasized at the beginning that it says we should take on the whole armor, not just a part of the armor, but in the entire armor of God. So we cannot be selective in the piece of the armor we wear. We have to take on the whole armor, all right? Wherefore, take on, take on to you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So we looked at these three things and they've been very insightful I, I even for me as a person they've been very insightful 
So I encourage you to please go back, um, listen to the, to the podcast, listen to the Bible study we did on it, and just get yourself acquainted with this. And, you know, it could build, it will serve as a foundation for your personal further studies as well. Now, our emphasis is verse 16. says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So it goes on to list certain um, armors, right? The belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, um, a fit fitter of the preparation of the gospel of peace. But then now comes to this verse 16 and says, above all, take on the shield of faith. And what will the shield of faith, faith do? It says, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So the shield of faith is primarily to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. And just as a background understanding for us, right, um, as to why it is called fiery darts, right? Because um, from again, this was written to the um, this was written in a period where um, there was military rule, you know, by the by the Romans, okay, and this was in the city of Ephesus at that time, and so there were Roman soldiers, and it was based on the outfit of the Roman soldiers that Paul. Paul drew this illustration and parallel to describe spiritual truth to us. And so what happens is that when they go to war, um, the enemies will typically light the tip of their arrows, right? So they have bow and arrows. Um, the tip of the arrow will be, will be coated with something flammable. And in the, in the midst of war, they light it and then shoot it, you know, towards the, towards the soldiers. And the soldiers have the soldiers have to protect themselves from that attack. So when Bible says fiery darts, or if you use other translations, you might see arrows, okay, fiery arrows or flaming arrows of the wicked one. Um, that's the analogy and the, the picture that Paul was trying to convey, that the enemy has lighted arrows that is targeted at you. And so what happens in the, in the Roman um, battlefield is that the Romans have their shield, and the shield is usually um usually is right coated with with leather and when they are going to war in cases like this they dip the shield in water so that as the arrow comes they can easily protect themselves from the coming arrow and then quench it right because it's it's fiery it has fire on it now that was the analogy that paul was using to describe this spiritual truth that we should take upon us the shield of faith so that when the enemy sends fiery um things at us we can easily quench those things. Now, what this suggests to us is that the enemy would attempt to send arrows at you or, or fiery darts at you, okay? And um, those arrows, those attacks, right, would come in different ways. And it's our responsibility to, to use the shield of faith to protect ourselves against the attempt of the enemy, all right? So I want us to look at you know, the Bible calls it the fiery darts of the wicked one, right? So, um, and it says we should take upon ourselves the shield of faith. So before we proceed into the fiery darts and all of that, I just want to do maybe a 10 minutes, um, a 10 minutes crash course basically on how faith comes, because this will help us in what we're going to look at further, all right? So quickly, how does faith come? And for most of us that have been, been Christians or around you know, church for a while, when you hear this question, I'm sure your immediate answer is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, 
and that is fantastic and that is true. So I want us to explore that a little further. Okay, so Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Let us look at the scripture um, that we, we just quoted. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Okay, I'm going to read from verse 15 just to give a bit of backdrop to it. So Romans 10 verse 15 says, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Verse 16 says, but they, sorry, but how, but, but they, they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? Verse 17, my emphasis. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith primarily comes by hearing, meaning by internalizing, right? And he says that that hearing is not just a random hearing, it's a hearing by the word of God. And what that means is this. When you look at the scripture and do a little, like just look at the lexicon in the Greek, um, the word translated word of God is what is translated as the rhema, as the rhema of God, okay? So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. So what then is this rhema or what, what does it mean? What's the difference between the rhema word of God and then just any word, you know? And simply put, the rhema is any utterance that God gives to you personally and for a particular um, for a particular season or for a particular um, reason, okay? So for instance, you are um, in a season that God has, for instance, right, you, you are in a season of change. You just feel like things need to change around you. You're uncomfortable. So many things that are, are happening and it's inside of you, 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 you know that something should change. What God does is that he then gives you his word. He gives you the word that that captures what he's doing for that season. He gives you the word that captures his intention for that um, season of your life and for that matter at hand. Now that utterance that God gives unto you is what is referred to as the rhema of God. It is, it is not generic for every other, every single person. It is usually particular either for you as an individual or for a group of people, all right? So for instance, for us this year, God said to us that his hand will be with us. Now, this word is peculiar for us as a community. And this word gives us, it does so many things. It gives us the courage to do whatever we're doing this year. It gives us, you know, the backing and the leading for what we want to do this year. And when, if, if, if and when, you know, um, challenges come, we can always fall back to this word. Now for all, another group of people, this might not be their word for this year. God might have spoken something else to them, but if ultimately from the scriptures, right? And when I say from the scriptures, it doesn't necessarily mean, doesn't necessarily need to be a direct lift from the scripture. However, whichever way God speaks it must always have its foundation and its roots in scriptures. So that is the Rema word. So the Bible says that faith comes by hearing. And hearing not just a general word, but hearing the Rema word. So the reason why someone will have faith or a group of group of people would have faith 
is because they have received the Rema word. The Rema word reveals God's mind concerning that matter. It is the utterance that captures the mind of God for that matter. So for instance, somebody may be um, in a place of in a place of work, right? And they are threatening to maybe fire people or you know, sack people and all of that, or you know, resize because of economic factors. And then the person goes to pray, and then God says, speaks a word to the person and says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, that word gives the person, first of all, that word is personal to, to that individual. It also gives the individual confidence as to the outcome of that event. So even if they eventually fire that person or retrench the person, right? No, not fire. Eventually, um, um, you know, ask the person to leave because they are resizing. That word preserves the person because the person knows that God has committed himself in that to that situation by the rema word by that utterance from god so that reveals the mind of god for that particular matter so again with this understanding i want us to read romans 10 verse 17 so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god so in fact i'm going to ask you right now that for that thing you are having faith for for that thing you are trusting god for for that issue that is in your life have you found the Rema word of God? Have you found what God has? Ha, have you found what God is saying to you for that particular matter? Okay, so that is the beginning of faith. That is where faith originates. And let me just say here that, thank you, Jesus. Let me just say here that um, faith begins with God. Faith doesn't begin with you. All right. You might have a desire, but that is not where faith starts. Your desire is not a proof of faith. It's not the birth, birthing of faith, all right? Your desire should lead you to pray, and God then reveals his word, and faith starts when the word of God is revealed to you. Faith begins when the rhema of God is revealed to you, all right? You know, the Bible says in Matthew um, chapter 4 that whatsoever things you desire, it says when you pray. It didn't say whatever. So let, let me even read that first, just so we follow. Uh, Matthew chapter four. Sorry, Mark, I beg your pardon, not Matthew. Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four. Um, am I mixing something up? Um, sorry, Mark chapter 11. 11. Apologies, apologies. Um, no, I think I'm mixing up. The scripture that says faith comes, um, no, sorry, whatever things you de you desire when you believe, when you pray rather, believe that you, re you receive them and you shall have them. Um, Matthew, where is this now? Okay, good. Yes, I'm correct. Matthew chapter 11, verse 24. Matthew chapter 11, Mark. Again, Mark, 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 Mark. Apologies for the errors. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. So Jesus Christ said, Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you that you receive them and you shall have them. So I what my emphasis in this scripture is the progression of um the activities he says whatever things you desire he didn't say believe that you have them because simply because you desire them he says whatever things you desire when you pray believe you receive them so desire should lead you to the place of prayer 
And then in the place of prayer, you receive God's word. God speaks to you and reveals his will to you concerning that matter. And then faith is born from the speakings of God. So I just wanted to show you that the fact you desire something doesn't mean your journey of faith has started. Your journey of faith only starts when God reveals his word to you concerning that particular matter. Okay. So remember, he says, whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. So when you desire, your desire should prompt you to pray. Now, I am not saying you should discard your desire. If, for instance, you desire a better paying job, or you desire to move to a bigger house, or you desire to you know, further your academics, that desire is not evil, all right? And I'm not saying you should discard every desire you have. But what I'm saying is, take your desires to the place of prayer, let God reveal his will to you, for that desire, and then faith begins on that note, okay? So I believe that's clear enough. Now, having said that, I also want to show you just a, a high-level view of how um, the journey of faith typically goes, all right? This is just very high-level. High level. We're not going into the nitty details, but I think this is important for us to understand, okay? So Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4. Verse 16 to 18. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. I want and I want us to look at the example of Abraham, our father of faith. So we would see how um, God typically takes us through that journey of faith. All right. So Romans chapter 4, verse 16 to verse 18. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So the next scripture, verse 17, right? Already from verse 16, we know this was referring to Abraham. So verse 17 says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Verse 18 goes on to say, who against hope believed in hope. So this is talking about Abraham again. It says, who against all who believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now I want to explain um, I want to explain what I want to explain some things from this scripture. First of all, is in verse 17, right? The Bible says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. So, according to the eyes of God, God had told God came, came to Abraham and says, says to Abraham, Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. At this point, Abraham did not still have a child. The next day after God made this statement. Abraham still did not have a child. And it took a while for that word to manifest. And this is what I want to point out to us, that when we receive the rhema of God, it is not a guarantee that there would be an instantaneous manifestation of what God says. Um, what God says all right? That typically, God, when God speaks his word to us, right, to instill faith in our hearts, there is a, at that instance, right, in the sight of God, he has made us whatever he says, 
we are. So for instance, if God comes to you and says, for instance, um, let's say you have a music ministry and God comes to you and say, I have made you an international music minister. At the instance of God speaking, you might only be singing to your family members during morning devotion. You might not even be ministering in your local church. Nobody might even know you in your neighborhood or your street or anywhere. You might have even tried to audition for one or two you know, band, band um, groups, but nobody selected you. However, in the sight of God, the moment God's word comes to you, you have already been made what he, he says you are. Okay? So when God says, I have made you an international minister, at that moment, you have been made an international minister. But look at, look at what he says. Let me read verse 17 again. Romans chapter, chapter 4, verse 17. It says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Okay? Now go to verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations? But I thought he has already been made the father of many nations. How come he needs to become the father of many nations? Do you understand that? Because verse 17 lets us know that God spoke to Abraham and says, I have made you a father of many nations. Now in verse 18, the Bible says, Abraham did something so that he could become the father of many nations. And this explains to us the way faith works. That when God speaks his word to us, yes, at that instance, right, you have been made the father, you have been made whatever God has God says to you. In the case of Abraham, he was the father of many nations. So the moment God's word came to him, right, he was made the father of many nations. However, he had to go through a process to become the father of many nations. And the explanation is simple: that when God speaks in the realm of the spirit, <clears throat> your identity changes to what God has said you you are. Okay. So for instance, in the case of Abraham, the moment God said, I've made you the father of many nations. In the realm of the spirit, his identity automatically changed to become the, to be the father of many nations. However, his experience, his present day circumstance, right? His, his current reality um, physically needed, needed to catch up with what God had said. Um, he, what God had already said he, he would be. Okay. So his identity was, was settled, but his experience needed to catch up with that identity. And that was why Abraham needed to become the father of many nations. And this is the journey of faith, that when God speaks to you instantaneously, your identity in the realm of the spirit has changed. In fact, look at Gideon, right? When the angel came, the angel greeted him and says, um, you my uh, mighty man of valor. The, the angel referred to Gideon as a mighty man of valor. Even though at that moment, everything Gideon did displayed timidity and fear. But after the after he went through the process of working with God, he actually manifested the father of many nations, okay? So there are things that God might have spoken to you that you have not yet seen. It doesn't mean they, have, they are not true. In fact, some of you are already like have dreams frequently about that thing God has said to you. You know, for, for example, taking the instance I gave, let's say you are a music minister. You had dreams of you, ministering to large crowds of people going for around cities declaring and singing the, the good news of jesus christ you've seen yourself in, in your spirit you see yourself doing that but right now you are not even in the choir for instance or you are not in in any music group or anything like that now that is your identity in the realm of the spirit and what god has said to you is very valid however god would typically take you through a journey 
so that you can become in experience what your identity already is. Do you understand that? So let me take that again. That God will typically take us through a process of faith so that we can become in our experience what our identity already is. Okay? I hope this was clear enough. So that's typically the journey of faith. That God says, oh, you're going to hold, or you're going to own a, own a multi-million um, multi-million dollar business, okay? And then right now, your revenue, yeah, in fact, you are, you are considering closing the current business that you have because it's as though things are not working. The Bible says, that, I'm, what I'm trying to say right now from scriptures is that the moment God has spoken to you, your identity is settled and it is sure. But God will typically take you through a process of faith that would make sure your current experience lines up with your spiritual identity, okay? So I wanted to chip that, those two things in. And lastly, I wanted to say on this note that you can only become what you have been made to be. Let me say that again. You can only become what you have been made. Remember the um, Romans 8, 4 here where we read, um, verse 18 says, against, um, against all hope, Abraham hoped in hope, right? And so that he would become the father of many nations. The reason why he could become the father of many nations was because God had already made him the father of many nations. Do you get that? So you can only become what you have been made. You cannot become something that God has not made you to be, meaning you cannot experience in your reality what the identity that God has not given to you. Okay? So for instance, personally for me, um, God has never spoken to me of about um, about being a music minister. It will be very hilarious if God does, I promise you. But he has never spoken to me about being a music minister. So I cannot try and, and fake it till I make it to be, a, to be a music minister. Do you get what I mean? I cannot, pre I cannot start having faith to be a music minister and, and expect that one day I'll become a music minister uh, because God has never spoken it to me. So you cannot become what God has not made you to be. When God speaks, then you are made. He takes you through a process to become what he has made you to be, all right? Okay, I hope that was clear enough. Um, I believe so. So let us proceed with our text then. Now, remember the Bible says that we should take the shield of faith where which, by which we were able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one or the arrows of the wicked one. So I have a question for us at this point before we continue, all right? What are some of the arrows or fiery darts that the enemy sent at, at us that will require faith to quench, okay? So this is an open conversation now. I would, want, I would love to hear from us. Let me ask my question again. What are some of the fiery darts or some of the arrows that the enemy typically sends at us that will need the shield of faith to quench? What are some of those things? You know, you can think, look into your life um, and, you know, think of situations like that where you're trusting God for something or, or one thing or the other. And then there was a, a fiery dart against your faith, you know, and you needed to quench that fiery dart. So I, I want to hear from you guys and let me know what you think. Um, if you're on Mixed Alive, please feel free, feel free to drop in your comments. If you're on Zoom, just let me know. You can go ahead and speak and let us hear from you. So what are some of the examples of the fiery darts that the enemy sent at us? 
anyone anyone wants to share you don't have to share your personal example just give us the name or describe what the fiery dart um, could be to you all right someone wants to help us somebody wants to help us what is a fiery dart um can you think of something um faith emily ruth idarab um tosin i see your mix alert so if you want to share just drop a comment what you think or no 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 yeah what you think again but what is an example of a fiery dart that the enemy um throws at us someone wants to help us come to a rescue we have 30 seconds left for these um, what is an example of a fiery dart? Okay, I don't see any comments yet, so I will just go ahead. Um, sorry, just a minute, I need to write down something. Okay, so still no comments. Okay. Um, let me share with us what, what I have in my notes. And the list I'm about to give is not exhaustive. There's still more to it, um, so please feel free to add to this list as you as you can have from scripture. But I just want to point out three or four of them and just explain to us the fiery that okay that enemy typically would send at our hearts, all right, or send at us. So number one is fear or no or doubt rather. I beg your pardon. Number one is doubt. The enemy typically throws doubt at us you know, so that we can stop believing God and stop acting in faith. And the Bible says that we need the shield of faith to quench this fiery dart of enemy. And many times we don't, we don't understand that it's an attack because of the way it comes so subtly, okay? So for instance, you are trusting God for admission to a particular school, right? You want to further your, your studies or maybe this is your first degree or you want to go for a second degree or for a PhD or whatever it is, or you want to go on a course, you know, and then you hear something like, um, you, hear, you hear a statistic that says out of, whenever every single year that only 25% of people pass the admission test. And then that, that seemingly innocent um, factual information begins to plant doubt in your heart concerning what you're trusting God for. So for instance, God has already told you that this year you will further your education. I will be with you. I'll go ahead of you. And then at, at the instance of hearing the word of God, you're full of faith. But then the enemy comes and throws an arrow of doubt at you. And, they are, and you might not know this is an arrow of doubt um, if, you are not, if you are not sensitive to the method and schemes of the enemy, all right? Because it comes so subtly. In fact, it might be a close friend that is coming to tell you and say, see, let me tell you the truth because I let me tell you from experience that people that if you try this thing, guy, just forget it. You will not just leave it. It's not, you know me, I like you. I'm telling you the truth. So you not waste your time. But if it's this thing, no, I've done it before. It will not work. And you hear things like that and your heart sinks. Doubt begins to enter into your heart. That is an arrow. That is a fiery dart of the enemy. All right. Or for instance, you want to start a business. And then you come across a, a let's say, a YouTube video from a, 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 a respectable person, right? Maybe a respectable business person that says, you see, if you are doing this kind of business, you will never succeed. It's, it's just it's a waste of time. And then your heart just sinks. Because, I mean, this person is respectable. 
And so you want to take his words because at least he has achieved some level of success. But then those kind of information brings doubt into your heart. Or let's say you want to get married and then you, you in the office, you just hear your colleagues saying, see, forget this married thing. I don't you know that 93% of marriages these days, they end up in divorce. Go and, go and divorce, go and check it. See, even me, it's not as if I wanted to divorce my husband, but you see it happened and life is life, we move on. And you hear that kind of information and then doubt begins to enter your heart concerning what God has said. That is one of the fiery darts, that the fiery arrows, you know, that the enemy sent at us. And if you are not careful and sensitive, you would throw away what God has spoken to you because of, or because of some facts or some state statistics or some data that you came across. And you need to remind yourself that God's word supersedes every data, that the leading of God is more important than the experience of anybody, that what God says supersedes anybody's personal experience. All right? Okay, so you really need to, you need to settle that in your heart because the enemy will come with doubt. He will come with doubt. He will come with, he will come and, and introduce several doubts in your heart through different ways. You know, let me share an experience with you guys, you know, personal experience. When I got into... So when I was going to go into university, right, um, that first, first year, my parents didn't have the money to pay school fees. And the way it was, was that you should, you first pay an acceptance fee, right? So we pay the acceptance fee, but then the balance of it, we didn't have the money to pay it. And so I had to stay out of school for a while because, um, I mean, I, obviously I hadn't paid, completed my school fees. And then matriculation was going, was just some, was like two months after school had resumed. And if I not, if I don't pay my school fees by matriculation, then I would forfeit my, I would forfeit my admission that year. And it so happened that I was staying with a family member at that time, and this was not like this was well intentioned, okay. And this is where you really need to be, you really need to be full of faith and be assured of what God has said to you. If not, doubt will come from well intentioned people, people that love you. Okay, and before I continue my story, you now understand why when Jesus Christ was telling disciples that he was going to die, right, on the cross, Peter, with every good intention, Peter said, you will not die. It's almost like Peter was telling Jesus, God forbid, you will not die. And Jesus had to rebuke Peter because even though that was good intention, but if Jesus began to accept such quote and unquote sympathy that, right, it would stop him from fulfilling the destiny that he came to earth to fulfill. Okay, so back to my story. And so I was staying with a family member and in all, all sincerity of his heart, he said, look at this, the amount of money you've paid for acceptance fee for this particular university you're going to, that money alone could have covered the school fees for any other you know, public university for, for the next three years. And what, so why are you worrying yourself and stressing yourself? Just go to a public university and, and, and save yourself the whole stress. And now that is good fi logical financial advice, but that was not what my faith was aiming for. And that was not what God had revealed to me from my prayers and personal you know, fellowship with God. And also a point came where I had the opportunity to write the exam for um, a, one of the federal universities, right? In the states that I'm from. And what, if you understand the Nigerian system, if you apply to the university that is in the state, in your own state of origin, you have a greater chance of getting admitted than those who are coming from other states. So I had a greater chance of being admitted. And I, I had the option of, you know, go traveling to go and write my, write 
that exam and that meant i was going just for fit you know just quit my my faith of getting this particular school that i wanted and so i spoke to my dad and you know my dad thank god being a man of faith he said no just stay back and have faith and that was exactly what i wanted i wanted to really stretch my faith because i believed god and eventually you know cut long story short god came through and i, I graduated from university already you know so what i'm saying is that sometimes doubt will come from even well-meaning people not because they are trying to intentionally bring doubts to you but just out of compassion and out of you know love and care for you they might subtly be the, the enemy might use that advantage or that window to introduce doubt into your heart concerning a particular matter now that these people are not the problem these well meaning people maybe family members or friends or you know colleagues these people are not the problem what you are what you are sensitive to is the arrow of that that the enemy is sending at you okay and I'm saying this to explain that it might come from a well-intentioned person. It might be your, your I don't know, somebody, it might be your mentor, anybody, you get that, may just say something that the enemy will want to use to introduce doubt, doubt into your heart. You have to be sensitive to this. It is one of the arrows, one of the fiery darts that the enemy sent at our hearts. Okay? Okay, I hope you understand that. So I said here that, oh, there's this verse of scripture. Wow. Okay, let's read the verse of scripture. Um, we might not finish this study today, but yeah, let's see how far we can go. So Matthew chapter 14, verse 29 to 32. Matthew chapter 14, verse 29 to 32. The book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew chapter 14. All right, let me read verse 29 to 22. But as a background, like... Um, most of us know this story. This is the story of when Jesus Christ walked on water and then he asked Peter to join him and also walk on water, okay? So look at verse 29. And he said, come. So Jesus said to Peter, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So as at verse 29, Peter walked on the water. He was walking on the water, heading towards Jesus. Look at verse 30. But when Peter saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and he began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, have mercy. I'm sorry, rather, Lord, save me. Verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? Meaning, why did you doubt? So Peter was already walking on water, right? And, and he walked on water based on the fact that Jesus Christ said, Come. And like I said at the beginning of today's Bible study that faith begins when the word of God comes to you, when the rhema of God comes to you, when that divine utterance comes to you, all right? So God had, Jesus Christ had made that utterance to Peter, come. So Peter had the word of God, right? He was full of faith, was gingered, was excited. And he started acting on that faith, or acting on that word rather, in faith. And then he began to walk on water, but something happened. The moment Peter began to, observed the external circumstances doubt entered his heart and he began to sink the water the wind did not did not become more boisterous the water did not suddenly become softer nothing actually changed aside the fact that peter entertained things from the outside he, uh, he peter entertained news from the outside it's like when you are trusting god for um let's say trusting god for healing for a particular illness and then you go on the news and you hear that 27,000 people die every month from this sickness 
all of a sudden you you begin to entertain doubts in your heart and you begin to ask yourself will i really succeed will i really um get well you now hear another statistics that say only one percent of people that undergo treatment ever recover from this sickness then your heart your heart sinks further doubt begins to enter your heart the reason is because you began to observe lying vanities like jonah puts it you have begun to observe external situations and not it is not that the power of god became less potent neither is it that um the problem became bigger but doubt entered your heart and so your exercise of faith was cut short and this is one example we read in scriptures that the moment peter began to look at the wind look at what was going on on the outside um you look at the economic situation and they say oh people are going into depression ah your heart sinks they say oh people are losing money ah your heart sinks you know by the time you begin to observe the external circumstances, right? Just like Peter did, you begin to sink. And this is what the enemy is aiming for. He sent, he, he throws at you arrows of doubt, information, um, experiences from people. You hear somebody say, oh, um, I, when I was pregnant, ha, ah, my pregnancy was so difficult. In fact, I don't have a baby again. All of a sudden, doubt enters your heart and you begin to, begin to lose faith in what God has spoken to you. So this is one of the, the strategies of the enemy, okay? This is one of the fiery darts of the enemy. Remember, our anchor scripture is Ephesians chapter 6, um, verse 14, yeah, where he says that, take up the shield, above all, take up the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery dart, darts of the enemy. Or as some translations put it, you'll be able to quench the fiery arrows of the enemy, okay? So I try to look at what are some of these arrows that the enemy sent at us. So the first thing we'll be able to identify here is doubt. Doubt being uh, um, uh, one of the arrows that the enemy sent at you. So this is something you should be conscious of when you're trusting God and believing God for, um, for a particular thing, all right? Doubt. So that's number one. Number two is weariness. Like I said, we, we can't exhaust every possible um, arrow that the enemy will send at you. So we'll just probably look at three or four. And then um, for, for Joseph's particular study, and I hope that we go back and study some more and even draw lessons from our personal experiences and the testimonies of others to learn how the enemy operates, okay? So number two is weariness. One of the arrows that the enemy sends at us is weariness. So have you ever believed God for something and it was just taking so long that you, were, you, you became so tired? You knew that God, you know that God spoke about that particular matter, but it, it's too long. Like you have just, I've been believing God. Okay, okay, God, you said my marriage will come. I've been trusting you, trusting you. We're already in 2020, when will it come? Lord, you said uh, my business will expand. And this is the 50 of the business. Uh -uh. Every, for every, every logical thing says I should close the business down. When will the business expand? You say you make me, um, you bring me to the global stage in my music ministry. Ha, I've been singing, singing, singing. Only one invitation, and it's from the, the second branch of my local church. That's the only invitation I've gotten. When will your word come to pass? In those situations, especially, right, especially, especially when there's a delay and there's a prolonging of the, of the manifestation, it is easy for the believer to become weary. And that is one of the things that the enemy targets the believer with, weariness. So for instance, you've been praying for your country, all right? You've been praying for your country, praying for your country, but it doesn't seem like there is any progress. And 
you know you have prayed, let's say for the last three years, you've been consistently praying for your country. The, you might begin to get weary because the more you pray, it's almost as if the more you pray, the worse the situation becomes. In cases like that, the enemy is attempting to introduce weariness into your faith equation. And you need to be conscious of that, okay? So I want us to look at the scripture, Daniel chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. And I think this is one of the very potent strategies of the devil, because the devil can't stop God from answering your prayers. But the enemy will try to weary you out of faith so that there's no longer faith remaining in you to even receive the answer that God has provided. Okay, um, I said Daniel chapter 7, right? Please, if you are there before me, um, go ahead and read for those of us on Zoom. Daniel chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. Daniel chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. All right, let me read. Um, verse 24 says, and the 10 horns out of this kingdom. So by the way, this was the vision Daniel had and then the interpretation of it and all of that. But there's something I want to extract from these two verses and um, to shed light on, on this particular point. Verse 24, and the 10 horns out of this kingdom are 10 kings that shall arise and another shall arise after them and he shall be diverse from the first and he shall subdue three kings. Now, the emphasis is verse 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until the time and times and the dividing of times. So one of the strategies we see of the enemy here is, he, he says he shall wear out the saints of the Most High. So part of the things the enemy attempts to do is to wear you out where you have you you are you have you have trusted god you've believed god you're holding on to god but you are tired you are tired of the current situation maybe god has promised that you get a new job or like there'll be a financial promotion and you're holding on to that prophecy but you a season comes where things are dry, like things have been dry but then things are drier than they've been it is easy for you to give in and wear out. Just your soul is worn out from, from hanging on, okay? And this is why hope is so powerful in our Christian experience. Remember that faith is the evidence of things, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So hope is what faith substantiates. But when somebody loses hope, then the person has given up on the whole process of faith. And this is what the enemy tries to do. This is one of the arrows the enemy sent at, sent at us as believers, right? The enemy tries to weary us out of our, our Christian experience, weary us out of the process of faith, weary us out of the, the journey that God is taking us through. And the, the reason is because if the enemy can weary us out of faith, then we will not be able to receive the end of our, our faith, the result of that which we are trusting God for, Okay. So that's one of the, the arrows the enemy sends at us. He sends weariness at us to, to make us just give up. Have you ever reached, have you ever seen believers that they just tell you, well, I'm not doing it again. Let's say somebody is trusting God for the fruit of the womb, married seven years, eight years, 10 years, and the woman just says, see, I've waited on God for this long. If God is not doing it, let me just go and meet somebody else. 
and the woman's faith is worn out. You know, in cases like that, the enemy knows that he cannot stop God from answering your prayers. But if he can make you weary, then he has gotten you. Okay. And I, I, I said here that the enemy attempts to weary or tire the believer by prolonging the manifestation of an answer. And if the enemy cannot, de- cannot stop the answer, then he will try to delay it. And we read the story uh, still in the book of Daniel. When Daniel began to pray, the Bible lets us know that immediately he prayed, God sent the angel, the angel Gabriel. But there was a three weeks delay between the time Daniel, between the time God sent the angel and the time the angel um, appeared, finally came to Daniel. There was a, a delay of 21 days. And simply because the Prince of Persia, that's the demonic force over that region, was resisting the answer to that prayers. So there, for many believers, it's not that God hasn't answered. God has answered, but the manifestation of that answer is being delayed by the enemy. And the enemy is causing that delay so that you be weary, okay, so that you would give up, basically. And once you've given up, you will not be able to receive the answer because faith receives, faith is how we receive what God has already provided for us, Okay. Um, so I want to read one more scripture to show us something. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Proverbs chapter 13, and we read verse 12. Um, the Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire Comet, it is a tree of life. I want to read this in the Passion Translation. Um, so just give me one minute. Okay, so Passion Translation says, when hope's dream seems to drag on and delay, the delay can be depressing. But when at last your dream comes true, life's sweetness will satisfy your soul. I love this. Let me read the first part again that says, when hope's dreams seems to drag on and on, the delay can be depressing. And that's what the enemy is trying to achieve. He's trying to delay the believers, the manifestation of the believers' answers so that the, the believer becomes weary. Day by day, his soul just wearies and wearies and he's just depressed until eventually he gives up, okay? That is what the enemy is attempting to do. Okay, and, and we need to be conscious of this. And the reason why we're going, why we're listing some of these things is because the enemy will come at, at the word that God speaks to you. If God has spoken a word to you this year, I assure you this same year, the enemy will come and test that word, right? In different ways, you send arrows, you know, against that word or against you concerning that word that God has spoken. And one of the strategies of the enemy is try to prolong the manifestation of the answer so that you are weary in your soul. And like, like the, um, the passion translation, translation puts it, it becomes depressing, all right? But let me say this to you, please never ever give in to that strategy of the enemy. The Bible says that he who endures to the end will be saved. There is always a salvation at the end, at the end of that process. And the Bible admonishes us to imitate those who through faith and patience have obtained the prize. So there will be patience required in the process, but never throw in the towel, never give up your, your expectation because of the delay of manifestation. And let me give you. Let me let me still go back to like the, the testimony I was sharing from my own personal, um, personal life, you know. And so here it is that we're, we're, I was trusting God for, you know, finances to come. I'd gotten admission, I'd paid 
um, the what they, what they call the the um, acceptance fee. Sorry, I paid that, but we didn't have the balance of the money to pay. And to make the matter somewhat, well, in retrospect, now this was really good because it helped me build my build my faith. But if you had asked me at, at that moment, I'll tell you that it made the matters worse. My dad traveled back um, to where to my state because the university was in a different city. And then we were coming from a different city. So my dad traveled back and I was left alone in that city, you know, with a, with a family member. And so I was pretty much, I felt pretty much alone, you know, and okay, we're expecting an answer. You know, when it started, I felt like, okay, by the end of this week, the money will come. So, you know, we just, by the end of this week, I can wait one week. That's not a big deal. One week is not too much. One week came and, and nothing happened. I said, okay, let's wait another week. Another week came, nothing happened. The third week came, nothing happened. This was getting to one, one month now. I was already beginning to somewhat panic and ask myself what will happen if we don't eventually get the money and all of that, all of that. And thank God for God's word. I went back to the word of God and God kept on giving me assurance. And so every day when I wake up, I'll make declarations and say, I see myself graduating from this university. I see myself finishing with, with good grades. I had not even done matriculation yet, but I was making declarations of my graduation, okay? And it got to a point, so one month left, six weeks left, seven weeks went, two months went, and at that point, I said to myself, I wonder, I had an honest conversation with God. I said, God, if faith could be quantified like water, for instance, then my faith has finished, but help me. And I remember the story, um, um, there was a scripture writer that says, Lord, I believe, but help my own belief. That was, I had gotten to that state and I was almost getting weary in my soul, but thank God for the assurance that comes from God's word. And two weeks to matriculation, no, not, not up to two weeks. Let's say, let's say let, less than 14 days, basically to matriculation. The money came, we paid it and pam, 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 eventually, I mean, I'm here, I've graduated from university. Okay. So I'm saying this to say that enemy might want to prolong the answer or the manifestation of that answer in an attempt to weary your soul so that you stop believing. If I had stopped believing or had given up in my heart at any point in time, I would never have, have um, experienced the manifestation of that answer that I was trusting God for. So let me even just say this here to encourage anyone listening to me that might be believing God for something and it has taken longer than you expected it to, to take. Let me say this, that do not give up. The Bible says we are not of those who give up unto perdition. We are those unto be, we are those that believe unto the salvation of our souls. So we are not of those that give up. Yes, there might be a delay, but I want you to stand your ground and insist that what God has said will happen. Even if God gave you a time and it seems like that time has come and gone, still go back and insist that what God has said to you will happen. Don't let the enemy weary you out of out of the out of the joy of experiencing your answers. The answers to that. Um, um, or the manifestation rather to that answer. Do you get that? Don't let the enemy deprive you of the joy of experiencing the manifestation of that answer. Don't let him weary your soul. I know you've been praying. I know you've been declaring God's word. I know you've been trusting. I know you fasted for it. I'm saying hang on. Don't let the enemy weary you from having faith in God's word. Hallelujah. All right. So, that is one of the arrows that the enemy sent at us, um, weariness. The end, when you're trusting God for something, the enemy might want to weary you from it, you know. Uh, but please do not, do not give in to that, not at all. 
Okay, the last thing we can take for today, and we'll certainly we'll just have to stop here. We'll pick up from this next week um, because I was I wanted us, I, I still want us to look at look at how to respond to these arrows that the enemy sends. Okay, it's not just enough to know what the enemy is throwing at us, but how do we respond to these things? But we can't cover that with the time we have left. So I'm just going to cover one more arrow that the enemy sends at us that we need the shield of faith to quench. Okay. So we looked at um, we looked at doubt. We looked at weariness, and the third thing I want to look at, the last thing for tonight, is intimidation. That if the enemy doesn't send doubt into your heart, right? If he doesn't send, if he doesn't weary you out, what he will now try to do is to intimidate you out of the process of faith. Okay, and I'll just look at the practical example. You know, and, and depending on the case, depending on what, what the matter is for part time, the enemy might employ different of these um, strategies to, to basically just um, attack you. And we take out the shield of faith to resist these arrows. All right. So, intimidation, let's look at Acts chapter 4, verse 15 to 23. Acts chapter 4, verse 15 to 23. Please don't forget. Don't let the enemy weary you at all. <clears throat> Don't let the enemy um, um, send doubt or introduce doubt into your heart concerning that particular issue that you God has spoken to you about. So Acts chapter 4, verse um, 15. Just give me a minute, please. Um, sorry, just a minute. Let me use my phone to open that. Acts chapter 4. Okay, all right. Acts 4, verse 15 to 23. And this is the experience, just, just, just a background context to this, right? Um, the disciples had gone to preach, you know, they had healed someone actually, and then the, the, the rulers of the synagogue basically told them not to, they were not excited, they were not happy and excited about the miracle. But I want us to look at something. Acts 4, verse 15. It says, but when they had commanded them to go outside, to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. So the rulers of the synagogue um, had called the disciples. This is James, um, Peter and John, I beg your pardon, had called Peter and John for questioning, all right, um, in the temple. But they put them aside just to have a conversation among the, the council heads. So verse 16, saying, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all that, that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Verse 17, but that is spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them. That means let us seriously threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Verse 18, and they called them and commanded them, that's commanded Peter and John now, not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said, and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened, threatened them, they let them go, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them 
because of the people for all men glorified God for that which was done. So basically the summary is that after this miracle that had, that Peter and John had done, right? You know, healing the man by the beautiful gate, the, cons, the council of leaders in the synagogue called them and basically threatened them not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is one of the ways the enemy, you know, throws one of the arrows that the enemy sends at us, that when you begin to walk in the will of God, when you begin to walk in the path of God, you begin to exercise your faith towards that thing that God is asking you or has asked you to do. One of the ways the enemy might come to attack you, one of the arrows the enemy might throw at you is the arrow of intimidation, okay? So let me say, for instance, um, God leads you to start a business, a, let's say a, an advertising business, and you begin to start your advertising business, you're working out in faith, you begin to see some results, then all of a sudden, someone, let's say one of the big shots in the advertising industry, files a lawsuit at you, you know, for something, something, and basically just intimidates you and shakes you up. And if you are not careful, that intimidation might lead you to even quit your business or might lead you to, if you don't quit your business, business, it might lead you to not operate at your maximum. You keep operating under a ceiling, okay, because of that threat, because of that intimidation. And this is one of the arrows the enemy sent at believers, all right? Um, you might be, let's say you live with your parents and then your parents are not believers, but you are a believer and your parents come one day and say, I will not pay your school fees if you continue going to church. That is an intimidation to quench your faith and quench your exercise or the process of faith that God is taking you on. Intimidation could come in any way. Do you understand what I mean? In fact, intimidation sometimes could be spiritual that God, let's say, begins to lead you to pray for certain kinds of people. And as you're praying for that, you begin to have some demonic attacks. And if you don't understand spiritual things, you stop praying for those people because you say, oh, this attack is coming because I'm praying for so-so person. Let me stop praying for the person because that attack was a threat, was an intimidation. Personal ex experience, right? I remember there was a particular lady, um, this was maybe three years, yeah, three or four years ago. Um, there was something going on in her life and she reached out to me, we spoke about it and I said, okay, let's, you know what, let's pray about it. Let's take a fast about it. And we began to pray. The first night that I started praying, on my own, right? Not even with her, just praying on my own about this matter. That very, very first night, I got a spirit, I had a spiritual attack right, while I slept. And thank God I understood, you know, how the spiritual things work. When I woke up, I, I didn't even pray about it. I promise you, I just laughed about it and continued. And I continued praying with that, with that lady until the matter was resolved. Same thing happened for another sister that I was praying for. Uh, what we're praying for had to do with, um, no, no, never mind. We're just praying about some things anyways. Um, and he had history, he had a family history, basically. And when we started praying for that, two nights in a row, like got demonic attacks. But I knew that this was just an intimidation of the enemy. And what that even meant was that our prayers were effective and the enemy was threatened by prayers. So in, a, in an attempt to stop us, he decided to threaten us back. But thank God we knew better. So what I'm saying is the enemy might bring threat and intimidation in, in the process of faith, as you begin to walk with God, do not give in to that. Whatever intimidation comes, do not give in to it. The intimidation might come through people. It might come spiritually. It might come through your, your boss at work or whatever it is. Now, I'm not saying you need to be rude and, and respond back to the person fiscally. Your first response is not even fiscal. Your first response is spiritual, okay? But never 
undermine the attack of intimidation and don't be ignorant of the possibility of intimidation coming into that equation. All right, I hope this was clear enough. Okay, I have something here I want to read for us. I say here concerning intimidation, right? I said here that intimidation is the enemy's attempt to instill fear and cripple the believer's courage to pursue, to pursue the fulfillment of God's word. And I said here that threats could come in different forms, but they are ultimately aimed at quenching your faith. So let me read what the first part I said again. Intimidation is the enemy's attempt to instill fear and cripple the believer's courage to pursue the fulfillment of God's word. So think about this. And there are still more things. There are things, there's, there's discouragement. There are, there's so many other things that the enemy could send at you. But these are just three things I listed today. And I encourage you to look at your past experiences and ask yourself, what arrow did enemy send against my faith? Was it fear? Was it doubt? Was it intimidation? Was it discouragement? Was it um, weariness? What, what, what did enemy send, you know, at me at, at certain points in my life? And take and do a self-audit, a self I beg your pardon. Do a self-audit and you find out that there are so many instances where the enemy has sent an attack against your faith, but you might not have just been aware of those instances, all right? Okay, so we're going to stop here. This is not the end of this particular um, topic on the shield of faith. But this is how far we can take within this um, within within the time we have today. So next week we're going to continue from this, and what we are going to look at primarily is how we respond to the attacks or against our faith. What how do we quench those fiery darts? Basically, when the enemy comes with intimidation, what should our response be? When the enemy comes with weariness, how should we respond? When the enemy comes with doubt, what should our response be? Okay, so we'll look at that next week by God's grace. All right. I'm going to stop here and I just want to hear from us. Um, what are, I mean, if you want to share, maybe just two people want to share with me any of the ways that the enemy had sent an attack against your faith when you were believing God for a particular thing or when you were, I mean, at any point in, in, in your life, right? How do you, what was your response? What was the, what was the attack, you know, against your faith? And just share with me something. If you have a personal experience for around any of these things we've discussed today, um, what are those things? Oh, by the way, I'm just seeing your comments on Mixellar uh, when we asked about the fiery, about the arrows. I see doubts, I see fear. Okay, thank you, thank you. I see doubts again. Okay, awesome. I, I didn't just see that on time. But yeah, just one person or two people at most just want to share with us how do you respond to, or like, have you, no, what experience rather have you had that the enemy sent any of these arrows at you? And how did you respond to it? Um, I think I can only take one person, actually. One person. If you're on Mixella, you can drop in your comment in the chat. Just note that um, I typically get the, I typically see the comments after a few minutes or seconds. But yeah, anyone on Zoom wants to share with us why, what are some of the, have you ever experienced, have you ever been, have you ever had an experience rather of the attacks the enemy sent at you and how did you respond to that? Um, okay, while we're waiting for that, and if you don't have anything shared, that's fine. But and while we're waiting for that, also you can just drop in the comment section one thing you learned today that was helpful to you as we begin to, as we prepare to round up. Um, drop one thing that, you know, you learned today that was helpful to you. While I'm waiting for whoever wants to share from their own personal experience, 
um, any of the attacks the enemy you know threw at you and against your faith. Drop in the comment section what you learned today that was helpful to you. And if you're sharing your experience, please go ahead and share it. Okay. All right. I'm still waiting for that. And I believe we're either typing or you know, gathering the experience. But while we're doing that, let me just make some quick announcements so that we can um things can happen simultaneously. All right, quick announcement. Again, we're meeting next week, right? Same time to finish this. I already said that. And the link is the same, the time is the same. Um, also, prayer clusters have, have been in full gear. So please, I encourage everyone to join a prayer cluster. If you haven't joined a prayer cluster, please join a prayer cluster. And there are many of us that are in prayer clusters that are not frequent or are not consistent with attending our prayers. So please, I'm here to encourage and encourage and encourage you. Attend prayers, you know, I spoke with someone like two weeks ago and she was talking about how, oh, her, her, her work with God is sinusodial, right? Today she's up, tomorrow she's down, next tomorrow she's on fire, the next month she's down. And the simple solution to this is, is just being in a group of people that are on fire for Jesus. God never intends us to run this Christian race alone, right? And that's what prayer clusters is about. We meet once a week to pray together for 30 to 60 minutes, okay? And then that gives us an opportunity for corporate prayer and also to strengthen one another in the faith, okay? All right, so um, I'm still waiting for anyone who wants to share personal experience. Anybody here? Anybody, anybody? Okay, no one. Let me read out what, we, what I have in the chat for what we learned. Um, someone in Mixel, on Mixeller says, I learned that the leading of God is better than anybody's personal experience. Amazing. Says, I learned that the leading of God is better than anybody's personal experience. That's very true and wonderful. Um, those of us on Mixeller on Zoom, what did we learn today? Do you want to drop a comment in the chat or just speak up, you know, can unmute yourself and speak? Um, what did you learn today from today's Bible study. Quickly, quickly, so we can round up. I need one more person, whether Zoom or Mixella, just share what you learned today and then we, we close. Hi, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Okay, um, I joined late, but um, the one thing you said about when you were praying and then you told God on how um, if your faith is like a water that's been exhausted, I could really relate with that. Because when you were asking if you had anything about how when arrows of doubt came at them, I feel like I'm, I'm in the midst of that right now. So I, I don't know if, if I've been able to wave off the arrow of, arrow of doubt, but yeah, it's quite encouraging that we shouldn't allow news, whatever it is that's been that old. Just because this person didn't get it, that doesn't mean I won't get it. Yet. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it just kind of encourages me to keep praying and have it. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thank you very much for sharing faith. Awesome. Um, and I like I strongly feel that a lot of us are going going through either one, one or more of these attacks. And um, to be honest, you are not alone, right? Where the Bible says that no temptation will come to you that is not common to man. Um, that the meaning that you're not the only one that is going through that or that has ever gone through that. And this study, as we'll see next week, we'll see practical 
very practical steps as to how to handle you know these things when they come at us okay thank you so much for sharing faith thank you for sharing everyone um god bless you all before i pray and we round up is there anybody joining us for, for the very first time that is this is your first time joining us for bible study um please just let us know who you are and let us know where you're joining us from and who invited you quickly quickly anybody like that on zoom or mixellar anybody like that join us for the very first time um but even if it's not your first time i welcome you all i re-welcome you all to borderless christian community right we meet every tuesday um, by 7 p.m nigerian time on um, online mixellar and on zoom and we always have like amazing time in god's in god's word so i really encourage us to um keep at it and see you next week Okay, let us pray then. I don't see any response for a first time. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of scriptures. We thank you for teaching us about faith and um, the schemes and strategies of the enemy. Lord, I pray for anyone right now who may be undergoing doubts, who might be undergoing intimidation, who might be undergoing weariness or, or discouragement or whatever it is, that is targeted, targeted against their faith. Father, I pray for them that you keep them in the faith. Jesus said concerning Peter that the enemy attempts as, as planned to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And I pray for anyone going through any experience um, against their faith. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that their faith will not fail. I pray, Father, that you sustain their spirits. Lord, I pray that you keep them anchored in your word. I pray that you show them evidences of your love and of your presence in that situation. Let them know that all hope is not lost. Let them know that what your word has spoken to them would eventually come to pass. Let give them boldness and courage and strength of heart to hold on to the word regardless of the outcome. And right now I'm reminded of the scriptures concerning um, Jehoshaphat and how the enemy sent intimidating letters to Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat had to go back to God and say, God, look at what the enemy is saying. And maybe there's some of you, someone or, or some of you here, either you personally or you know someone who has received a medical verdict that is an intimidating verdict. It's like a letter that came from the from the enemy. You have received a, 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 a letter from, your, from what you are trusting God for that it looks intimidating. And I say to you, in the name of Jesus Christ, that greater is he that is for you than he that is against you. That God's word concerning you will still come to pass. God's word concerning you will be fulfilled, regardless the verdict, regardless the, the logical conclusion of the expert, regardless what everybody says. God will move systems. God will move people. God will change hearts just for you in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak strength to your heart. You will not give up before your, your, your manifestation comes. You will wait until the end and you will see the salvation of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, everlasting Father. We give you glory and we give you honor. Thank you for understanding, um, for granting us revelation and understanding tonight, um, today. Thank you, Father, because next week, we'll, as we proceed, we, we have more light and we're equipped better to handle the things the enemy throw at us. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you all. Please, I just want to encourage everyone, right? Um, if you have been blessed at all by any of our Bible studies, you, I encourage you to invite someone. 
um, just send a message and say, hey, hi, you know, I, there's this stuff I attend on Tuesdays and I've, I've learned a lot. I think it'll be good for you. Don't think whether the person say yes or no, just invite and let the Holy Ghost do the work, all right? Okay, so thank you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening or whatever time of the day is it is where you are at. God bless you all. So we see you. We'll, we'll meet again next week on Tuesday, um, 7 p.m. and we'll continue from this. All right, God bless you all. Have a wonderful time. Good night. Good night. Thank you, Victor. You're welcome. Good night.